we are talking about a comic book which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Welcome, everybody, to episode 71 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. <clears throat> I am hungover, and my name is also Luke. Uh, it is July 5th, so uh, it was after a night of drinking for, I think, all three of us, right? Yeah, I drank a bunch of Rainier. Yeah, I, I drank <laughs> Ooh, Rainier. That and 12-year-old uh, Japanese whiskey. I was going to say, please say alcohol after you say oh. 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I drank a bunch of 12-year-olds, tossed them in a blender. <laughs> so, uh... Will it blend? Uh, oh, my God, <laughs> yes. Yes, they will. <laughs> this was a horrible idea. Oh, wow. Yeah, doing a podcast on Saturday morning after the 4th is a horrible idea. You but scheduled this shit months ago. I know. I know. It's all my fault. Everything's my fault. Um, today, we are going to end up talking eventually about The Answer. It's a four-issue miniseries from Dark Horse that's written by Mike Norton and drawn by... Or is it other way around? Is it Mike Norton does the art? Fuck, I don't know. Mike, Norton. Mike Norton does the art. art. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's written by Dennis Hopeless, uh, drawn by Mike Norton of, of Revival fame. And... Dennis Hopeless is uh, the writer of X Force and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cable and the Time Cops. I don't know what it's called, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we'll talk about that a little later. Uh, we'll start off the show. I actually want to find out if either of you've actually been reading any comics other than other than the answer. Like, no, like, no, not even what? a little bit. Really, you're going to ask this? I <laughs> have, I have read, I have read comics. What have you read? I, I'm catching up on um, Walking Dead. So okay, they're going through the whole war and everything. I haven't gotten that far yet because, like, I'm, I'm still in hardcovers, and hardcover nine uh, comes out in October, I think. So, Is that issue one hundred. Uh, issue, no, no, issue one hundred was where, spoiler, Glenn dies. Don't give a fuck. Was that? Me? Oh, yeah, that and, was you. Yeah, um, where where Glenn dies? No, this is the war where they're going through the different towns, and there's there's um, betrayal on on all sides, and it's it's still pretty good. I I still enjoy reading it, and um, there was another another book I read too, but I can't remember. But it was mostly Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm. I finally am keeping up on all of my comics. There's a few that I've actually set aside. Uh, because they're almost over. Like I've still, I still haven't read the last two issues of The Wake um, because the eighth and final issue comes out in a couple weeks, and then um, I'm setting aside. I'm I'm on issue twenty one of Fatal, and I'm leaving that because I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna read the last four, four, like last arc. Yeah, um, and I've decided. Uh, that was, that was it. What? Yeah, that was the other book I just remembered. I caught up on which was Saga. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a. They're coming out with a hardcover of that, so I'm gonna probably gonna. I'm gonna collect that one in hardcovers. I would say that Saga is the most subversive comic I've ever read. Hmm. Yeah, I've there's heard. So, there's so I many. Mean, so many like comic book tropes that they just blow out of the water. And like, yeah. oh, we're we're just gonna decide to go our own route and do this. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's great. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
I loved I we did you know we've re- I've read the first eight issues of it and I love it. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm you know everybody knows my opinions on how wary I am of of where it's going, but almost as wary as I am. <laughs> yeah, um, it's not going to go anywhere. But it's but I love the I love the world and the story of it, and I'm just gonna it's it's one of those books I'm gonna collect in hardcovers and mm-hmm. and yeah. read it. You know, in yeah, because the- uh, this third it's the third book, and they go into the author that had wrote the book that got them together in the first mm-hmm. place, mm-hmm. and meet with this guy and just everything that he he does and says is is so great. It's yeah. amazing. And one of the funny things about it is that the book his that he's writing, his new book, is called The Opposite of War. And everybody was like, uh, so peace? And it's like, no, it's not peace. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's sex. Yeah, yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. I um, I read, uh, what's the book that I just picked up that I, oh, uh, Nailbiter. I read the first two issues of Nailbiter, and it's not as good as I was expecting it to be. I wanted it not to be, feeling it or yeah, it wasn't nail biting. I don't know. It's it's an interesting premise. Like the premise of it is basically that there is this town, I think it's set in Oregon, that um there's a town that for some reason has bred like sixteen of the last seventeen serial killers that have existed, right? Where um they've they've found that they've all come from this town. So people go to this town to try and investigate and find out what about this town is causing serial killers to happen. And at, in the process of a new investigation, another one springs up. And that's this guy called that is the titular character, the nail biter because he kills people and then chews their fingernails off their fingers when he's oh, done. Okay. Um, and it, it's. I'll give it a couple more issues because it looks interesting. It's it's an interesting premise, but the first issue was kind of kind of a mess. Like it, they didn't really know what what to concentrate on. So there's a bunch of like extra random shit going on and a bunch of different unconnected stuff that I assume they'll connect later. But it wasn't. It was it was presented in a very chaotic way that just made me kind of like eh, I didn't really give a shit. You know, um, I think that's the only new book I'm reading. I, I, I picked up but have not read the first issue of Trees, the Warren Ellis book. Right. Um, but I haven't read it yet. So I have decided I, after the discussion over the last couple of months, um, I'm actually probably what what's going to happen is that when Fatal ends, that's when I'm cutting off floppies and, and going Digital straight trades. trades. Yeah, I'm just I'm done I, like part of it like if you if you've looked looked at the website i wrote an article uh, a couple days ago about um the fact that i picked up the revival deluxe edition hardcover mm-hmm. and it's it's phenomenal the production values on the image hardcovers are are perfect there there's like the 12 issue hardcover dust jacketless like beautiful covers like that is the, i've determined that's that's the way i want to consume comics from now on it's just they're fantastic um, all they've even done it with some of their older books, like they do the Spawn Origins collection, which I'm Ooh. collecting. And I Spawn Spawn like is guilty a, pleasure, dude. I totally get it. It's but. a it's a nostalgia thing for me, right? Because that was one of the first um, one of the first comics that a that I collected on my own um, from issue one. B that it was even though it looks retarded now, um, it's one of the first comics that uh, was kind of like an adult themed comic for me when Boop I was a kid violence, yeah. um and uh and it was also uh when it came out was the the 
convention that I went to in Oregon was when I got to meet McFarlane before he went insane. And um, I stood there and, you know, I, ha- I bullshitted with McFarlane for like but 15 minutes wasn't yeah, and, and stuff. And so like there's this – it's a very – Spawn is a very strong connection to comics for me because it is – it's probably the book that I would say that solidified me – as a comic book reader and collector. So the Spawn Origins collection, the book is laughable now, especially the first couple of, especially the first couple of years of it. But um, the Origins collections are, are fantastic. They're the production design is great. And it's, it's something that I love since I don't have my single issues anymore because they all burned up in the fire. They, it's nice to have these, you know, nice shelvable collections. I wish they would do the same thing for uh, Savage Dragon. Because I really liked Savage Dragon, and Savage Dragon is purposely cheeseball. Um, yeah, Eric Larson just wanted to do some fun. Yeah, um, but uh, I, for some reason they're they're just like you know Eric Larson ha- could could easily, I mean he's a fucking co-owner of Image and could very easily just be like yes here have Savage Dragon collections and everybody's been I like went online. And so many people are asking for Spawn Origins style Savage Dragon collection, and they just won't do it for some reason. Mm. I don't know why. I'm gonna sneeze. No. Oh man, this is <laughs> this is so epic. Yeah, that was that was impressive. impressive. Head banging from the sneeze. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but anyway, I think um, yeah, I've I'm gonna pull the trigger uh, in a few in a couple months once Fatal is over, yeah. and just be like, just go straight trades from but, now on. So Fatal's not over. No, it ends in two months. Oh, they're done. They're done writing it, but it is not published that far yet. <clears throat> yeah, it's no. it's okay. uh, it's on issue twenty two right now, going to and it's going to twenty four. Yeah, and then um, that that is the one, the one thing that I will miss being you know reading trades is 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 getting stuff as it comes out right because yeah. um, like the one book one of the books that I'm going to miss out on at the start is uh, Brubaker and Phillips' new book, The Fade Out. Um, which makes me a little sad. I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could get into that one on the on the from the jump. But I'm I'm not going to get double dipped anymore, and that's uh, <laughs> that makes me happy. Well, so. and and that was one of the reasons why I kind of stopped reading Fatal because it was so infrequent the number of issues. And then when I would look for the issues, I would like I'd show up to the comic book store and they'd say, "Oh, well, issue three is already sold out, and we don't have issue two anymore." But here's issue four, and I was like, I. I already got one, and, and I don't want to wait around for two and three and read it out of order. And everything just got so difficult to read that I just kind of gave up on it. Yeah, and I was going to wait for the trade because everything's all collected yeah. once. And so you're not. I've got the first. Uh, I've got the first hardcover trade, and it's a, it's another one of Images' fantastic, you know, design trades. And yeah. I'm looking forward to when the next one comes out. So comic newsy stuff. No. Um, I want to start with sad soups. We can. I mean, <laughs> it's. I think you just sort of summed up the entire article I, I right there. But. It's just. It's so funny. Like the, the best. So, I'm sure everybody listening under knows this that they released a picture of of Henry Cavill in the Supes uniform for um for the new uh, Batman versus Superman movie, and the best comment that it's it's him like looking pensive, standing in the rain, and the best. Uh, the best comment about it is um, a guy that I've been talking on Twitter with for a long time that uh, works for IGN and doing com- comics reviews, Joshua Yale, said, uh, uh, Superman looks about as sad as I felt after watching Man of Steel, so I guess it's, I guess it's appropriate. <laughs> I hated that movie so much. 
I did not. Um, I I actually really like that movie. I think it's got it's got some pretty big flaws, yeah. but overall, I think that um, I think they got the portrayal of Superman very correct. They got the portrayal of almost everybody else super wrong. Yeah, you know, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not even going to go into it. I'm just going to say we'll, we'll agree to disagree. Yeah, I visually like Superman's perfect in that movie. It it, it is a very good looking movie. Yes, it's like. Dating a cheerleader. It's really nice to look at, but there's not anything that's going to hold your interest. <laughs> yeah, I, I hated the way they handled Pa Kent in that movie. Like, But uh, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it's funny because there's also a, a, a photoshopped meme going around of, of the... Um, the Batman picture that they released with Affleck in the bat suit and they photoshopped him into the Superman picture except they got they photoshopped Soup's arms like cradling him from behind oh, so they're like hugging and it, oh it's so fantastic it's so funny um, I first of all I don't even know I, I don't know about Batman versus Superman I never read that that series or that story arc so I don't even know how Batman can compete with Superman Krypton yeah see it Krypton, depends sorry. it depends on like in the comic book mm. Superman gives him kryptonite specifically so that Batman can like it was a it was a failsafe that Superman set up right and they talk about it in Hush and they talk about it in things before that where Superman needed somebody that he could trust to take him down if he ever if something went ever rogue. went wrong yeah um which in you know in Hush he gets taken over by Poison Ivy and then um Batman has to use the kryptonite ring and but but that's basically what it is i don't know how they're going to handle it in this movie because of the fact that they don't there's no kryptonite yeah right um so unless they can because the way that they did it in in man of steel was that there was like the the krypton at the atmosphere of krypton made them um like took away his powers effectively made him weak Um, so just so it's like kryptonian air yeah I, I i don't know it's that was it that was a that was a fault of that movie was like just fucking put you know make a chunk of the planet you don't have to call it kryptonite but it could be st- still something that you could use and i don't know rockium that's yeah. what it's <laughs> called there's no kryptonite here but we do have some rockium <laughs> yeah i don't know um i don't know how they'll do it in this movie cuz it it almost feels like it's not going to be a versus type thing but that's what they're calling it anyway dawn of justice are you fucking kidding me really yeah yeah and then there, i guess uh, whatever yeah. the whatever the whoever the director is i don't know who it is zach snyder if you looked at that photo with the photoshopped rain in front of him and that didn't scream <laughs> zach snyder uh true true that well no he there was an explanation like they interviewed vax the Zach, Zach Snyder. Snyder, a little hungover myself. Zach, Zach, Zach Snyder and <laughs> Radyard Caplag. He had to. <laughs> <laughs> He's a drawer. That's, that's a callback. Um, he had to explain why he used V instead of verses. Like, well, we went with the V because it's a little bit more edgy than the oh, BS. Oh, Jesus Christ! And when you have it, ex- it looks like a bat. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so weird because like I, Zach Snyder's first two things that really made him famous were 300 and and watchmen and i love 300 it's 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 cheesy as fuck um but it's visually stunning and the story like there's not a whole hell of a lot to that story so it was real easy to adapt right it's like 300 guys go out and fight a whole bunch more guys and that's the whole fucking movie so great whatever did you see rise of rome 
Re- sequel to three. Oh no, I didn't. I've I, no, I've heard not heard a good thing about it yet. Yeah, I, I can't imagine there being awful. any good things about it. But I just like, I'm and curious. it's not even Zack Snyder. It's like somebody copying Zack Snyder. Oh, I thought it was his. I don't think so. I think it's somebody. Else, somebody else directed it because it was just a franchise thing. Oh. Um, but um, and I and I know that there's a huge there's a lot of contention over this, but I really liked Watchmen. Um, I it yes, it was basically a shot for shot. You know, it's, uh, adaptation of the, the comic. Alien became something else, right? Which I actually really liked that twist. It was it was that uh, Doctor Manhattan um, was blamed was for, blamed for yeah. everything, and because the alien part in the comic book is dumb, it like, worked oh, well in the eighties. Sure, it was fine for its time, but now you look at it, and it's like, wow, that's really stupid. Um, but then, like, much like Peter Jackson, he got. A whole lot of fame real fast, and then nobody nobody tells him no anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, I want to make a seventeen hour movie based on the first three paragraphs of the Hobbit. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I, the, I that happened for me. Um, it was King Kong, where I watched the Lord of the Rings movies, and then I watched King Kong, and it was like it's it's three and a half hours long. It's a fucking King Kong movie, Dude. and it is. So boring. You know, a movie of his is great. Meet the Feebles. Yeah, Meet the Feebles. Or um, Bad Taste. Bad Taste. <laughs> I actually even like The Frighteners. Dead no, I love The Frighteners. The Frighteners is fantastic. Dead Alive. Dead Alive is also good. Dead Alive. See, these are all movies that happened either when he was indie or With, when he had a production team or, or people going like, no, no, you can't. No, he had a budget of $17. Right. And then Zack Snyder's having the same problem, right? They just give him carte blanche now to do as much slow-mo as he wants. And <laughs> it's so aggravating. And that's the same thing with J.J. Abrams, right? Like, J.J. Abrams just like, ah, oh, do whatever the fuck you want. I, we just watched uh, Mission Impossible 3 again, which is by far the best thing J.J. Abrams has ever done. Like, it is his best movie. It's the best of the, the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. Like, anyway. Um, didn't, he, didn't J.J. do 8mm? Um, not eight millimeter. Wow, I'm uh, like no, definitely uh, not. Super eight, super eight. Yeah, super eight was super eight was good. It, it was, was fun, but it um, it wasn't it wasn't as good as Mission Impossible three in my opinion. Um, but yeah, the so wow the the sad soups started a whole long discussion of movies. Yeah, let's just um, skip the Constantine thing. No, no, no. We're talking about the Constantine oh, thing. We've got time to we're just discuss we're just it, but filling myself with rage because like the, like. I understand that, you know, you shouldn't show kids smoking and stuff like that. However, when you make a TV show about a character... Okay, so let me go into the backstory on this real quick. Uh, Constantine is getting his own TV show. and Which initially actually looked really fantastic from the advertisements, but... But one of the key things about John Constantine is specifically he is a chain smoker which leads to a series of events which causes him to get lung cancer, and then he sells his soul to three different demons that are of equal power level. And because they can't agree who sort of is, you know, the one who's going to get his soul, he can't die until they get that worked out. That is a key element <laughs> of that, John Constantine. Is that for real? That's honestly, that's why he gets to mm-hmm. be the Hellblazer. Okay. But... So the TV show, they're like, yeah, he's not going to be a smoker. We had to make that change. I'm like, is he still going to have, and people are like, is he still going to have cancer? And they're like, we're not sure yet. It's like, I what just the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I don't, it's, it's, a, it's a classic case of them not understanding or they're trying to adapt 
a specific um, story to a market that it was never meant for, yeah. right? Yeah. They're like, Constantine was, should have been, I mean, it should have been like HBO level, yeah. like R-rated TV show. Mm-hmm. And it, there's fucking gallows humor in that. Like, yeah. you wouldn't believe. And it should have been something, so I'm, I'm in, I know I'm in the minority. I loved the movie, uh, the Keanu Reeves movie. Mm. I think it's a horrible. It, well, so so the thing that I always say about this is that I think it's I think it's a fantastic movie. I think it's a horrible Hellblazer adaptation. It's it's not a good Hellblazer adaptation. It's a good movie though. Yeah. Um, but even in that, like the the cancer was a key part of the character, right? Mm. And mm. it has to be like the the smoking. Oh, we we're gonna take a character who one of like. His key things is to chain smoke, and well, oh well, we can't show that to to kids. It's like it's not; so, it shouldn't be something that you're worried about marketing to kids. Also, yeah. like for what it's worth, one of the key things is that he put himself in that position. Right, he decided to become a chain smoker, and he still manages to dance around the repercussions of that by being very, very smart. Yeah, mm. it, you know, it it is a, a sort of a personality aspect of him that he's too clever for his own good to a certain extent, and he realizes that he can get away with stuff, and then that you know sets off a whole other chain of events. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's the same thing happened uh last week when they announced that um that fucking Expendables 3 is going to be PG-13. <laughs> and I'm like, right? That's uh, I, and it's it's a classic misunderstanding of your audience. Yeah. I understand, you know, especially in the last 10 years there's this big push to make PG-13 movies because they technically they they're um, less restrictive to the audience and can make more money, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, the the problem with that theory with the Expendables is that nobody between the ages of 13 and, like, 23 gives a fuck about the Expendables. Yeah. It is a movie geared toward late 20s to early 40s dudes Ooh, re- who remember who all of these classic... 80 movies. 80s. Dude, do you remember Cobra? That movie was badass. Oh, shit. Um, but it was just, it's, you know, it, it's specifically a throwback to people what who are old enough to watch R-rated movies now. And the, the, the it's so fucked up because the first two were R-rated. Yeah. And then they're just like, oh, fuck it. We're going to make this one. We're going to pull some violence out of this one and some language and make it PG-13. Like, why? What the fuck are you doing? This is a classic R-rated franchise. This is something that should be R-rated. It should be stupid violence. So yeah. right? here's a question for you guys. What the fuck are kids today going to think of when they think of the action movies that they were dealing with? Right. Twilight? Is I that? No, I don't know. No, because they're going to have fucking the shitty Michael Bay Transformers movie. That's going to be that's going to yeah. be Shia LaBeouf in another 20 years in <laughs> Expendable 17. <laughs> oh my god. He's going to walk into a room with a bag on his head and just stare uncomfortably at the villains until they shoot themselves in the face. <laughs> they, have, they have superhero comic or comic book movies. Yeah, I mean the Marvel I, movies. I yeah. miss I miss the 90s action movie. Like the '90s, like '80s action movie was the the big stupid superhuman guys, and then the '90s action movies were was shit like Con Air and The Rock, and you know those losers always uh, went about the best. Michael Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Like, <laughs> yeah, Michael I Bay. love those movies, and those are like uh, the the first Bad Boys movie was fantastic. Michael like, Bay. yeah. Um, they got Miami Michael Vice. No, I'm a '90s Michael Bay fan. <laughs> okay, I that, that they're not all Michael Bay, but like he was he was fine as an action director in the '90s, and yeah. as soon as the 20 aughts started, he went 
again, much like Zack Snyder and Peter Jackson, nobody tells him no, and he goes blah, 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 off yeah. the deep end. Well, what, what wasn't the Rock Michael Bay? I don't remember. I think I think it, it might have been. It probably yeah. was. Speaking speaking of Michael Bay movies, I was watching. They had a, a marathon of Independence Day, so I watched one of them, and I forgot how horrible that movie was. Back when I first saw I it, still love it was movie. great. And oh, it's, I still love there, that movie. There are entire scenes that are cribbed from other movies. Sure. Yeah, the, the whole dialogue is oh not even written by them. There's like, well, let's take this from here. And oh, take who the this fuck cares? It's a movie about alien invasion and Will Smith. Will Smith going, "Welcome to Earth." Yeah, like, like that's <laughs> the whole fucking movie. It's just Will Smith one-liners and yeah. is that glass bulletproof? No, sir. Like, I, I love that. I love every minute of that movie. I know how Shia LaBeouf is going to defeat people in Expendable 17 <laughs> he's going to somehow end up with the villain's guns and then he's going to you know steal someone else's apology until everyone feels so awkward that they just leave <laughs> <laughs> he's just going to unroll his O-Face uh, his O-Face poster from Nymphomaniac <laughs> <laughs> look oh god 17 <sighs> villains just vomit themselves to death <laughs> So for the last two weeks, we've been reading the four-issue Dark Horse miniseries called The Answer. Uh, it's kind of a... You might want to turn your mic on. Origin story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically. It's, um, it's by Dennis Hopeless and Mike Norton. Uh, and it is... It's really difficult to explain. Because like, when I was talking to Andy about it earlier, kind of described it as, as a very pulpy superhero kind of book where... The the answer himself is is an enigma. Uh, yeah, no one knows what the answer is or who he is. <laughs> He's yeah. just there, um, very much like um, kind of in the same vein as like the Black Beetle, except you know set in modern times. Lobster Johnson, of, <laughs> Lobster Johnson. Um, I just love that name. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. And uh, so the the story centers around uh, a. I can't. I, I, I'm so bad with character names with this book. Other than the answer, the, the librarian woman who finds a um, what do they call the little thing that the puzzle box, she, the puzzle box like crypto something or other, mm. some puzzle ball, puzzle ball, the puzzle ball. Yeah, there's an actual website. I don't know if it's a real website or not. They explained it as the sexy older brother of a Rubik's cube. Yeah, um, but so. It kind of centers around this librarian having found this puzzle ball that is... Um, well, it was a gift, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It was a, a gift g- from her it, mother. Yeah. Um, and it's... I'm trying to remember what the... What was the movie? There was a movie that... Um, I mean, there's several, been the several movies. Fighter. Sort of, yeah. But there's been several movies with this same kind of uh, theme <laughs> where... Um, no, it was the one, it had Bruce Willis, and it was about this this kid that solved a puzzle on the back of a of a puzzle book that turned out to be like a um, like NSA. a C, or an NSA recruiting thing yeah. um, that was like a it was a cryptography thing that this this autistic kid solved, and then Spartan. they showed up. I don't think it was Spartan, but anyway, um, there's been a lot of movies with this this idea where an agency of some sort puts out a test of some, you know, either on the online or it's in this case, it's the puzzle ball. And if somebody actually cracks the code of the test, then it, you know, it signals them that somebody is smart enough to be part of their organization. There's, um, uh, Oh God, it's like the grasshopper or the cricket or something like that. There's this thing that's happened twice in the real world. And 
like teams of people will form to solve it. Like it takes place over the entire world. Like there are geolocational uh-huh. pieces to this puzzle. Okay. And uh, whoever has made it in, no one has ever said that they've made it in. <laughs> like, but uh, like teams will come and solve it like three months later. Um, the one thing is that at one point this you know, group had solved it three months after it had originally been solved. The location that they went to on the web just simply said, "We don't want the followers; we want the leaders." <laughs> That's um. So yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting premise that gets kind of uh, you know, tweaked in different ways. I think was it, was it War Games was kind of the same War type thing. Bit, yeah. yeah. Um, Would you like to play a game? And in this instance. Uh, this librarian solves this puzzle and people come to recruit her and in the midst of all of it the answer who is the super, the super quote unquote superhero in the book shows up um, as kind of like t- to warn her that what she's getting into is is not something she should be involved with yeah. um, and hilarity ensues yeah uh, it is as I, I said before it's hilarity I'd say <laughs> mild entertainment it's super pulpy um there's not a lot of uh there's not a lot of depth to it nope which i'm totally okay with um i think one of my biggest problems was that i had different expectations because i knew i I went in completely dark on this one Mm -hmm. i thought i that i uh about a week ago i'm like i think i've read this and then i you know reread i'm like nope haven't read this not what i was expecting Mm -hmm. this is not even it's it's not miniseries because nothing really gets like there's there's progress but there's not development yeah i can see that it's it's it reads like a story arc it doesn't read like a miniseries yeah, yeah. It's, there's no nothing is wrapped up really at the end yeah. except for one guy gets sucked into a mysterious void like you don't understand how the question can get killed over and over again and still be fine uh-huh. or the answer yeah um that's a superpower is is it I get. I mean, it has to be or, or is something. He a, is he a bunch of guys, or is yeah. you know, it's just, it doesn't answer anything? It just sets up a bunch of questions, which there's, I, I kind of like that. It, I would like it more if it were an ongoing series yeah. and it was it consistent. Like they they wanted it to be an ongoing yeah. series because how it ends is completely open ended. Yeah, one of my biggest problems with it is that it asks a bunch of questions. I want something to be answered at the end of that first arc. I don't mm-hmm. care what it is, if it's, you know, what the book is, who the answer is, like any of that stuff. Like any bit that you can be like, okay, this is going to not be lost. It's not just going to ramble on until <laughs> the end and then be like, oh, here's here's the answer for the thing. What about these other 17 questions you ask? Don't worry about them. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. The man behind the exclamation point. Yeah. I think maybe it's – maybe that's intentional because like, – it is kind of a, it is kind of a little bit of a joke to have have a comic called the answer that With has no, no fucking answers, answers in it. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. I I was the opposite because, so first of all, let me I'll say that uh, I do know that there is more coming, um, because uh, you know Mike Norton has talked about it online uh, about how they're wor- you know they're working on the next story arc and I talked to him at um, Emerald City. Uh, when I was talking to him about revival, and I mentioned this book and got it signed, and he was saying, "Yeah, there's there's more coming." I think he said they're right now they've they've got two they're working on two new story arcs, and um, I think the success of this four issue miniseries was what was going to determine whether they got to do more. Um, and it's it's kind of interesting that they 
did a four issue miniseries, like you said, that doesn't really wrap anything up um, because it's almost like it's almost like a weird social experiment, right? Where Dark Horse says you can do four issues and uh, how it succeeds and the the you know what people say when it's done is will determine whether you get to do more. So instead of writing a self-contained storyline like for example Buzz Frank Kill? Avila did with or Buzzkill or like Frank Avila did with uh with Black Beetle um he they write this completely open-ended thing which which causes the audience if they like the character to be in that weird place where they're like we really want to know what happens next instead of being like we like this character and want to see more stories they're like we don't have a complete story yet, so please let them do more. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I really, I first of all, I really like the, I really like the artwork in the book because I liked in, uh, I like uh, Norton's art. I, mm-hmm. I love, I love his stuff. I almost, said, I said Dan Norton, and this is Mike Norton. Is Dan Norton's a Dan is no one. There's a Dennis and there's a Mike. No, there is a Dan Norton. He was he drew a, a Team Seven for a while and drew Weapon Zero. Or no, he didn't do, draw Weapon Zero, but he drew some stuff for um, the drawer. He was a drawer. He he did the art for a bunch of image Just stuff in the nineties. Callbacks, huh? Yeah, yeah. He did a he did a bunch of stuff in the nineties, um, and that was actually really good. He's a good artist, but um, he's not really around anymore. <laughs> uh, it's Mike Norton, and I've I mean I'm I'm a humongous fan of of Revival, and I love Mike Norton's stuff on Revival, and this is uh, kind of his. It, it's the art. It's weird how nineties would you say, like to a certain extent. Um, like the, there is a distinct sort of. style that sort of goes with this book, and I can't really put my finger on it. It's not like you know extraneous pouches on the inside of legs or anything like that, but just like the style of the lines and the detail in the face reminds me of like an old image book or maybe a current Avatar book. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. uh, I, I can see what you're I can see what you're saying. Um, I think it's I think what's funny about it is. Like you look at this and revival side by side, right? And you can definitely tell it's Mike Norton. It's definitely his art style, but somehow because of the subject matter and the way he handles it, it it does look very different. His page constructions are different. Yeah. His um, like the the backgrounds and the way he draws things look very different than they do from do in revival, which is kind of neat because it's. It's interesting to see an artist like I've seen artists who change their art style for different things, and um, it's it's you know wildly different depending on what story they're drawing. Um, or guys like Frank Avila, where everything he draws looks like everything else he draws. Not in a bad way. He's an awesome artist, but it's like there's no variation to his art. Same with like Sean Phillips, right? Like you know it's a Sean Phillips book. You it see always Sean looks Phillips like a Sean art, Phillips book, and you're like, okay, this is like there's no doubt in your mind that it's Sean Phillips because no one else has that style and he is just it screams like his art style is just it jumps out at the page yeah um and mike norton's art is a little more um i really don't want to say nondescript because i like his artwork there a lot, there but... are other artists who have similar styles and it's not a knock on him at all it's just that there are a couple of artists like it reminds me a lot for some odd reason of the art from the boys Mm. I can yeah. kind of see like that. Yeah. The angles of the panels and sort of how things are constructed and whatnot, along with the lines, remind me of like something along those lines. Yeah, it's very Scooby Dooish. 
in this book. Zoinks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I like the fact that somehow you look at the art and you're like, yep, that's that's Mike Norton. And yet when you look at it side by side with, with something like Revival, you can, it, you're, you you're can like, tell. it's a different style. Yeah. It is a different style. It, it is an intentionally different style. Yeah. And um, I, I think it's fantastic. Like That's one of the things that drew me to the book in the first place was the fact that I really like Mike Norton's art. And when I saw the book, I'm like, oh, it's kind of it's going to be this kind of cheesy. Like even the cover, it's like the answer with an exclamation point, And he's like, posing on a on a ledge Morning contains no answers yeah it's posing on a ledge with the exclamation point on his face and it's yeah. um um you know you kind of know what you're getting into right yeah. like it's very it's very pulpy and it looks it and it was a lot different than what i was expecting actually the whole um the whole puzzle box uh slash secret society storyline thing was something that i was not expecting out of it and it's kind of strange because the, there are no answers and the whole thing is like secret society does this stuff and then some dude has some objection you don't really know what the objection is right he's like no you can't do this these guys are evil and they're like why are they evil and what are they doing wrong and he's like they just are <laughs> yeah yeah I, for me it's it's tongue firmly planted in cheek yep. kind of stuff it's it's definitely Camp. not taking itself seriously yeah it is it's very campy and and that's the one thing i i, I enjoyed about it with with hopeless's writing it wasn't hopeless but um no it, it was a lot like the, yeah thank you it's a lot like um joss whedon where it's a lot of kind of uh, banter, witty banter, and all that kind of stuff. And one thing I, I got to say is that when I first read Enter the Epirion, I saw it as Ape Iron for some reason. So I, and I can't see it not as Enter Ape the Iron. Ape Iron. Yeah, I was like, well, why would you? That was a fox pass on your part. <laughs> the ca- the um, the chaos of the Ape Iron. Uh, but, you know, I just thought that the, Fire the, tree the humor was really... They didn't take itself seriously, you know? And it never really did through the entire entire book. I just realized what it reminds me of. It reminds me of um, uh, Morning Glories a lot. Definitely, I can the, see that. Yeah, the artwork and the way that it's Did it's Mike built. Norton do Morning Glories? I don't think so. Right. I'm blanking on the artist's name off the top of my head, but... Um, I do like uh, this concept, this conceit where it's like not only is this librarian woman, not only is she smart enough to solve the puzzle box, mm. but the that they're putting her in a in a place ostensibly to unlock even more of her ability. You know, her the, it's the whole ten percent of the brain bullshit, which mm. is stupid. But um, the idea being that they're unlocking the potential for her to like be able to do more with the intelligence she has and be able to think better and faster and and uh, enhance her beyond her human capabilities but to what end right mm. like and i guess the the conceit is that they're going to get her to a certain point and then and then use her for something and then you know kill her um but i do like the way that they're like you know i, I always like stories where they put a character in a situation where she's she or he has been being given something that they've always wanted and given in you know a supposedly somewhat altruistic way um that regardless of how the story turns out they will have 
they will have improved themselves somehow in a way that makes them happy and yet there's all there's some kind of consequence. like consequence or sinister sinister intent behind it and i think they i think they he does a really good job of like you said keeping it kind of campy especially when the when the whole when it gets revealed that there are people in the institution that aren't taking the medicine that they're supposed to be taking so that there's this kind of like girl interrupted kind of moment where all the misfits show up and start um you know trying to get trying to escape and and it's it's well you know the reason why they're misfits right it, it's because they the the drug that they give them eventually makes them go insane and so they use up they use them up while they're on working at this high ability until the drug breaks them and then they put them into the mentalist institution part of it. And so that's what they they're doing is they're bringing in intelligent people, making them super amped up. And then eventually that super amp breaks them and then they just put them throw them into the mental institution. And that was their whole plan. But the whole the whole purpose of that was to capture this girl, right? And the reason why they wanted to capture this girl because she unlocked this codex that um, Animatrax or whatever. I like the idea of the story happening that she can't figure it out, so she just smashes it with a hammer and pulls out the the web address from the inside. (laughs) She's just like, huh, this wasn't that bad after all. Yeah, it was (laughs) super easy, just like a Rubik's Cube. Yeah. You know, and but the whole thing, the reason why is because the, the main bad guy saw her unlock this codex to another dimension and wanted made this whole big machine in order to suss her out again later on. But what would happen if like she died and the whole story wouldn't have happened? And better yet, they have this complete brain trust. Yet another question with no yeah, answers. Yeah, I know, right? There's this big brain trust that is trying to that is doing all these different things, marvelous scientific revolutions that they're coming up with. And why couldn't they just use them to unlock the book? You know, another question okay. that wasn't answered. Uh, <laughs> I do. I I was very. Um, I was very s- surprised by the kind of Cthulian twist at the end, right? Like yeah. I, I, they did a good job of like not really telling you where the fuck this is going, and then um, I think one of the things that I why I really liked it and why, you know, it's the same reasons why Andy didn't like it are the questions that it opens up of like, how, how can the answer get killed multiple, multiple times and keep showing up somewhere else? Like, and what's going on behind that. So I'm hoping, I am hoping that this either gets an ongoing or is allowed to, you know, get finish, finish and get more uh, stuff so that I can see where it all leads. Right. Because, Mm. um, the the questions that they do open up and the um the storyline that they put in here and it's it's all frankly it's aside from the you know the secret society recruiting somebody through a through a secret codex trope everything else behind it it seems very unique um yeah. and that's something that you don't get in comic books a lot anymore <laughs> no. is is a unique storyline i i just I enjoyed it because I realized for what it was, which was not taking itself seriously in the first place. You know, it's just a whole scene when you meet the answer in the beginning and he's being a super vigilante in the, in the, um, in the quickie mart or whatever Mm -hmm. and, and blows up the place. That's a, like this guy is super, he's a superhero and then he's going to like take down people and then 
be a little bit uh, catchphrasey when he does it. Yeah. You know, it, it, he reminded me a lot of Deadpool. You know, I can see that. Yeah, just no fourth wall breaking, but he seriously doesn't take anything seriously. Yeah, uh, it's kind of hard to take things seriously when you die all the time. Right? Yeah, it's just like us all whatever. That. Yeah, yeah. I um, I'm a big fan of this book. I I like Hopeless's writing uh, a lot. I love the artwork. Um, and the I guess the problem that we have with our show right now is the fact that it is only four issues. So there's. There's not a whole of a lot else for us to talk about with it. Yeah, it's, it's like if Anne would have been here, maybe we could have you know grilled her on why the <laughs> fuck she wanted to read something that has no answers. <laughs> but uh, guess what, listeners at home, Anne Bean is not here. This was her book. <laughs> um, so we're just all going to sit around with our thumbs up our asses for the yeah. next five minutes. Sorry for the radio silence. I really do hope that this book, like you know, going back to our conversation earlier, I do hope that this book gets a nice hardcover collection when there's more uh, when there's more, more meat, to meat to it and more issues. Um, Dark Horse isn't so great about doing those kinds of things in in any kind of consistent fashion, which is unfortunate. Um, but uh, it does. It's it's a book that I think. Okay, I guess I'll pose this question to you, Andy. If um, if it does get an, an ongoing or gets more issues, and say you know, say it's like a twenty twenty or twenty four issue run, and some of those answers that that they don't answer in this first four issue miniseries um, get taken care of, is it is it is the style and the the genre and the way that it's presented something that would interest you if those questions get answered? Yeah, like so basically. Um what I'll do with this book, and this sort of spoils my answer, is I will read, like, if another four issues come out, I will definitely pick them up. Uh-huh. And if I feel like it's going in a direction, not necessarily, you know, any direction in particular, because I have no idea what the fuck they're planning, but if I feel like it's going, you know, somewhere other than just sort of a drift, I'll definitely keep reading it until either I decide, you know what, this isn't my cup of tea, or I really like this. And that'll, you know. But with these four issues, it's like, there's a taste, but I don't feel like it's... It's going somewhere, but I don't know if they know where it's going. I very well could be wrong about that. No, I think they do. I, because um, I got the impression uh, talking to Mike Norton that that they know they know the beginning, middle, and end of this story, right? And they just need time to actually make it happen. Um, I believe, if I remember correctly, uh, Dennis Hopeless wrote Avengers Arena. Okay. And Which I've heard fantastic things I about that, that book. book. But the first you know, few issues of that, like I had no idea what was going on. It was very much Battle Royale. Right. But I, like, other than that, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on with it. And I'm glad I stuck with it because I enjoyed the shit out of that book. Mm-hmm, Mind mm-hmm. you, because I like kids killing kids. <laughs> but that's just, you know, <laughs> a fucking weirdo. Uh, I, I have faith in him as a writer, but I'm just a little bit hesitant on this. Like I said, I'll pick up the next four whenever they come out and yeah. sort of make my determination at that point. Yeah, I don't know um and it doesn't like, have I don't to know be what the next it could be a couple of years down the road. I will read the next thing. It's just like uh, mysteriously unfathomable. If another series comes out of that, I'll pick it up. What like, is that? I've never heard of that. Uh, it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> and we're going to do it for a show, so okay, mysteriously in unfathomable Myri- mysterious the unfathomable the unfathomable. Hmm. I've never heard of it. It was a 6 issue miniseries. Okay. It's fucking great. Who's, by who? What is it? Who did it? Uh, I can't think of it right now. Um, sorry, it's an image <laughs> book. It was just like uh, you know, um, it's like uh, Buzzkill or uh, Luther Strode. It was just one of those image books where they were trying something new. Okay, and it was brilliant. Hmm. Gonna sneeze again. <coughs> Imagine Doctor Strange, but weirder. 
Yes, he did do Avengers Arena. Okay. I just, I'm just looking. He did Avengers Arena, Avengers Undercover, Cable and the X Force. Cable and the X Force. Time Cops. <laughs> yeah. Legion of Monsters. No mm. idea. Sounds interesting. But um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, I guess, it, you know, I it has enough of my interest that I want to see where it goes. I don't know necessarily if it's something that I would stick with, but it's it's got some meat to it. So I guess that brings us into uh, buy, borrow, or burn. I'm a I'm an instant buy. I think it's worth it. Um, I'm hoping that they come up with you know a, a nice collected edition when whenever they have more issues because that's pr- I'm probably going to have to wait till it gets collected in some form to buy more. Which is you know it's bad news for them because you know floppies determine whether or not they get to do more stories. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I'd say buy. It's it's super fun. It, yeah, the questions don't get answered, but it's the the cheese ball kind of corny. Um, pulpiness of it makes it really fun to makes it a really fun read to me. I, I would borrow. I would definitely borrow this. I don't know if it's it's for everybody, but it's definitely it's different and it's refreshing. But it's it's not something you can take too seriously, which is kind of nice. Yeah, Andy, I'm I'm going with borrow. Um, I like I said, I just talked about three minutes. It's like I don't know what's going on with it like it's got the potential to be really good but it also you know i've been burned by J- uh, oh my god why can't i think of his name right now fucking saga and bkv bkv i've been burned by him too many times like i'm hesitant I'm but this shot. isn't a bkv book i know it's not but it's just that's like, why i'm not buying saga because <laughs> it's like I, I i love saga but it's still bkv and his shitty endings or lack thereof the fuck was wrong with Ex Machina. Why? Why did that? Uh, oh. Don't just don't. <laughs> Fuck that book. Now that we've depressed all the listeners. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I mean, two borrows and a buy, and it's yeah, it's definitely it's worth reading. I think is what the key takeaway is. It's absolutely like whether or not you want to, whether or not you're into the storyline or not. It's worth it's worth picking up. So go out and go out and grab it. So um, in the last episode, we talked about the fact that we we completely forgot to mention the fact that we were doing. <laughs> the answer for this episode uh we talked about how we were doing uh lazarus eyes zombie and zatanna for the next ones and f- forgot about the answer so uh we're, we're pushing those out uh <laughs> so we've actually got the next five episodes planned plus our next long read so next uh episode which we will record on seven nineteen, is lazarus we're going to do the first trade of that book um 70 episode 73 on 82 is going to be i zombie uh episode 74 we're doing uh eddie's suggestion of zatanna shades of the past and then we're going to for episode 75 we are doing velvet uh the first trade of velvet the brubaker epting book and then we're doing for episode 76 we're going to do andy's suggestion of jersey gods uh welcome eddie so if any of um and and also leading up you know that we've we've uh started a tradition of every uh every 10th episode we do a long read of a book we we just did bone and um we've got several planned out we think through episode 100 but uh the next one we're going to do on episode 80 when we get there is we're going to do the entire run of transmetropolitan uh which i'm glad to go into because i've never read it so fucking good everyone says it's so good i've I've you never read. I've Transmet. never read Transmit. Oh, it's, that's it, it's shocking to me. I don't it's really. Yeah, I really mean, that's what every, everyone says. But I wish it. It's what's shocking to me about Transmit is that there has not been a hardcover collection of that book. Nope. It doesn't make any sense. Nope. It needs to be in hardcovers. Yep. 
Because, I mean, if Preacher is in hardcover, fucking Transmit should be in hardcover. Like, oh, man. That's, oh, God. What? I can't wait till we get to Preacher. We're getting there. I know, but I just, it's, I so, love that book. <laughs> I, Preacher's great. Uh, I think Preacher might be the last thing uh, uh, by... Garth Ennis? Garth Ennis that I actually liked. Crossed? No. <laughs> the Boys? Nope. Punisher Max. Um, not the one we reviewed, the other one. No, not, I'm not... Mm-mm. I like Jason Aaron's uh, Punisher way better than, That's fair. than Garth Ennis's. I told him that, too, and he... Uh, uh, at Emerald City, I was like, I, I, I told him that I thought that his run of Punisher Max that we read was like the definitive Punisher for me. And he went, have you have you have you read the Garth Ennis's stuff and the other stuff? And I'm like, yeah, I've read it and I still like yours better. And he goes, Ooh, OK, that was exactly <laughs> that was his response. Like, OK, uh, so, yeah, uh, Lazarus, I Zombie, Zatanna, uh, Velvet. Jersey, Jersey Gods, um, and eventually on episode 80, we're going to do Transmetropolitan. If you have any questions or comments or you want to participate in the show in any way, send us an email to tradesecretsatgeekerific.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter at TradesecretsPod, or please, what we actually prefer right now is join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tradesecretspodcast. Yep. Uh, we do talk a lot more on that group, I think, than any other forum that we've we've ever had um so it's if, the most interactive yeah it, it allows us to interact with people who listen to the show a lot which is pretty cool um so if you want to if you want to talk to us about any of those books that we're going to be reading you want to you know yell at us for something stupid that we said or disagree with us about a show please uh fire us a message on the facebook group or an email or, or twitter we're all individually on twitter i'm on there at geek elite i'm math catastrophe i'm superfly and uh we I'm superfly um i'm I'm, as usual, the most active on Twitter, but if you want to hit us up there, you're more than welcome to. Uh, But we've got, like I said, the next five episodes planned out, and we would love to hear from fans, so if you want to participate, please do so. We get frequent emails from... Uh, one of our newer fans, uh, Scanner51, has sent us another email that I'm not going to read on this show because it addresses Eddie specifically, and I want Eddie to be able to answer it. So, what? Do we ever answer the podcast one? Oh, the what other podcasts do we listen yeah. to? No, I don't think we did. Let's talk about it. Uh, do you guys listen to any other podcasts? Yeah. Regularly? Yeah. I am I, lucky enough to have a job that allows me to listen to a shit ton of podcasts. Yeah. Um, long-time listeners may know that uh, both Joel and I are very big into a tabletop game called War Machine, and there are several podcasts that each of us listen to. Um, yep. The first podcast that I ever listened to was Retronauts. Oh, Retronauts was good. Retronauts was amazing, and I still have all 99 or 100 episodes of mm-hmm. it, because I think it went to 99A, I think is what they did the last episode. Retronauts was one of the one of the shows that inspired um, After, After the, the Fact, fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, I like Retronauts a lot, but that was one of the reasons why we did After the Fact the way that we did with our kind of specific format of playing a game and then talking about it like we do for Trade Secrets as well was to differentiate us from from Retronauts with same kind of nostalgia. Yeah, same kind of feel to talk about old games, but but in a different more focused way. But yeah, Retronauts was fantastic. Um so the the major podcasts that I am currently listening to that uh are War Machine related is Muse on Minis and all of the spin-offs of that, which there's like six at this point. Mm-hmm. Did you say Muse on Minis? Muse on yeah. Minis. Okay. Uh Chain Attack, uh Remove from Play. Um there's there are probably seven different 
podcasts that it's amazing to me how many podcasts tabletop games generate like mm-hmm. especially the collectible ones minis games and and like there there is no shit hundreds of magic the gathering podcasts oh yeah and it's it's weird to me that they they just proliferate like magic to the point where there is an entire website dedicated to just being a network for magic podcasts right and it's, yeah uh i do i do do some moonlighting on remove from play from time mm-hmm. to time do you do <laughs> Uh, and like it's just it's something I really enjoy thinking about the tactics of a, a tabletop game. So it's sort of my just focus on something other than what I'm actually working on to get work done. Yeah. Um. Other than that, I listen to a bunch of NPR stuff. I also listen to Nerd Poker, which is Brian Posehn's D and D game, <laughs> and it's amazing. That yeah. one I actually wouldn't mind listening to. I've not listened to that one before. It starts off with a song by Three Inches of Blood called "Slay the Orcs." Cool. It's the most metal, high-pitched thing ever. But it's like um, Brian Posworth. Posworth, is that his name? The giant comedian, super nerdy guy? Oh. Uh, Brian Posehn. It's him. Yeah, you said it earlier. That's why I was yeah. confused. Yeah, like, like, I, I spaced on Brian Posehn's, and then you went Posworth, and I'm like, what the? who the fuck is Posworth? What the f- where is that coming from? I, br- I blame the rum. Uh, <laughs> so, but, um, oh, my God. What is, oh, fucking comedian. Uh, Short guy is on Agent Shield. I can't think of. I name. don't watch Agents of Shield, so I, that's a useless reference okay. to me. Uh, fuck, super funny. Uh, whatever. But it's a bunch of comedians who get together and play D anD D, and like it's just like if you've ever played any sort of tabletop game and you know hung out with your friends and bullshitted, that's what that podcast is. You're just listening in on their weird, random discussions. But the fact that they're all comedians takes it up a notch. Yeah. Mm. It's like there's stuff on par with uh, one of my favorite lines from After the Fact. Where uh, Pat was like, "Give me the old cunt punt." Yeah, like, that moment was just crystallized. I'm like, "Can we even say that?" <laughs> cunt punt. Yeah. Okay. I, I. There are moments where I miss the after the fact podcast, but the I, I don't of, miss the work. <laughs> no, it was it was a it was a slog sometimes, but the show itself, I I'm. One of the things that I'm very proud of with that show is that it's it's very listenable again. Like you can go back and listen to it, and it's it's uh, it's it's mostly timeless, except that you know we do have segments where we talked about the, the what's going on in the current like, industry. That but shit does not matter anymore yeah, at all. Now, what about you, Joel? What podcast do you listen to? Well, I I listen to the War Machine podcasts also. And then I also listen to um, some NPR ones. Uh, this Economics. This American Life. Uh, Freakonomics, I used to listen to, but they really don't do anything anymore. Like, they, a lot of their stuff is shorts, where they talk about a subject for, like, 15 minutes, and that's not enough to hold my interest. But, like, This American Life and Radio Lab, I listen to those, too, because they're amazing. Um, then I also listen to another podcast called The Champs, which is... Um, uh, why I'm blanking out Moshe Kasher and uh, the guy who was with Dave Chappelle. I can't remember. It, it's two comedians and they bring on black comedians, which really don't get a lot of um, <clears throat> a lot of play or airplay. Mm-hmm. And they also bring on uh, different rap artists too. So they had like Big Daddy Kane and um, and uh, they just did one with Pharaoh Monch and Jean Grey and all this. So it's kind of interesting listening to conversations with these people that really don't get an outlet or interview mm-hmm. that kind of stuff um then i also listen to um listen to uh harmontown 
which is for, uh, the podcast for Dan Harmon. He does it at Meltdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And they, they have a little um, D&D session during that, too. And it's really interesting, like, funny stuff. It's all stuff that I listen to while I'm commuting because I got tired of the Top 40 radio yeah, yeah, yeah. and listening to that. So I was like, eh, let's listen to this on my 40-minute commute. So that's kind of how I listen to podcasts now, too, is, like, when I'm doing when I'm like doing chores and shit at home, like, I'll throw it on and, and yeah. listen to something. Or mowing the lawn or whatnot. I, I do do all that. Yeah. I, uh, I can't listen to podcasts while exercising anymore because there was one episode of Muse that was so funny that I fell off an elliptical. (laughs) (laughs) I just see, I definitely see you like running on a treadmill and then face planting and shooting off the back of the treadmill because you're laughing at something. No, like it wasn't, like I was laughing, I was on a fucking elliptical. All I had to do was stop and that was beyond me and it was just like (laughs) tumble off the side. I'm glad I didn't get seriously hurt. It's... Unfortunate that most of the podcasts that I listen to reg- listened to regularly don't aren't really around anymore. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them are things that you know you can go back because uh, the ones like the two that I'm that I I'm I'm a little irregular in my podcast listening now, but there are still a few that I listen to. There's two comic book podcasts that I listen to. One of them is called uh, the Comical Podcast, and it's a couple of guys who um, I I don't remember the names of the people on the podcast, but they're they're comedians as well. But they also talk about comic books a lot, so mm-hmm. it's 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 a pretty funny show. Um, and then there's a, another comics podcast called Comics Therapy mm-hmm. um, that's uh, I. I'm kind of, like I said, irregular in listening to that one. I don't yeah. listen to it on like all the time, and so I skip episodes every once in a while, but it's uh, it's pretty good. They get they get a lot of good uh, creator interviews on com- on comics therapy, so it's um, it's it's pretty good. What? Sort of one thing, and I, so I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I try not to listen to comic book podcasts that much because I don't want it to influence what I say on this one. Yeah, uh, and that's part of why I'm irregular on these, too, is that like I, um, I, spend, I spend enough time reading and talking about comic books you know yeah. so so comic book podcasts are not something i regularly listen to but the one the one show that i really really loved that's not around anymore is i used to listen to weekend confirmed um which is a it's IGN? a uh no it was uh game spy yeah i think uh it was but yeah it was it was a video game show that ended recently but they they're turning it into something else and i can't remember what it was but we can confirm it was fantastic it was one of the best video game podcasts out there i still listen to podcast beyond um it's not as good as it used to be but it's still a decent show be- and it's and that's the IGN one that's the Greg Miller one right yeah mm. Greg Miller and and Colin Moriarty and it's 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 them talking about um it's PlayStation specific, um, and that one I listen to less. It's more because it, they just do kind of like news talk stuff, where they're they're like, "Here's what's going on with the PlayStation right now." So that's what that's actually where I get the vast majority of my information on like when when to download stuff for like PlayStation Plus and all yeah. that thing is is just um, their their banter is is good. I like Greg Miller a lot. I've always liked he's him on podcasts. Nice he's a super nice guy. He's a, he's very personable on the show like you listen to him and it just sounds he's he's good at what he does um and i like listening to him him and colin moriarty are very different people um and i i i have a lot of respect for colin moriarty's opinions but i disagree with him almost every time he opens his mouth so (laughs) it's like um i i respect him a lot but i don't like he and i are on very different wavelengths and then the other thing uh that i listen to there's uh, a couple of poker shows that I listen to, like um, one of them is called Deuce Plays with Bart Hansen. It's a 
it's a cash game strategy poker show um, that I I'm, I don't think he's doing it anymore, but I'm going back and listening to old episodes. Um, and then uh, there was for a long time there was a show called uh, Poker Road Radio. That, so the the poker podcast, um, the top end of the poker podcast, started with a show called The Circuit that was done by. Um, um, bluff magazine it's not bluff magazine it's one of the poker magazines whatever it's unimportant um that the circuit Swank. ran for a long time and then <laughs> no <laughs> and then it uh after the the circuit kind of fell apart and the guys that ran it uh went and started a website called poker road and they did poker road radio which was probably the best poker podcast that has ever been but then the guy that ran poker road um got embroiled stupidly embroiled in one of the um Online poker. The online cheating scandals with uh, he became a spokesperson for a website that had been caught cheating and did not handle their PR very well. And even though he was not he did not cheat at all. His name is Joe Seabach. He didn't do any cheating, but he was shilling for a company that was not handling their PR very well. So he took the brunt of it in the face and basically got run out of the poker community. Yeah. Which kind of sucks because the show was fantastic. Poker Road Radio is one of my favorite poker shows. And I'm hoping um, I'm hoping to see another version of it pop up with some of the guys that uh, do it. Just like, road. Yeah. Because one of the things that I do, it's not a podcast specifically, but... Um, one of the things that I listen to a lot when I'm uh, when I'm doing stuff in podcast form is uh, the European Poker Tour EPT does live uh, live live streams of their tournaments, um, and the two guys that that do the hosting for that are fantastic together. Like they are the two the t- those two guys are some of the best poker commentators I've ever. I've ever seen in my life. So when they do their live streams, I will always have them just like running in the background while they're talking about the, the tournament that's playing and stuff. And I'll sometimes I'll go back and rewatch some of their, their shows and streams uh, in podcast form. You know, so you know, the, the thing that I find funny is the way that we consume like war machine and war machine tactics and whatnot mm-hmm. is the same way you consume poker. poker yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's I that's the thing poker is poker is the game that I, I was talking about this this is a random subject but I was talking about this with a, a friend the other day that um I usually get bored playing the same game for a long period of time except poker like that's why I have a ton of different board games in my house because I like switching it up every time I play a board game mm-hmm. and it's one of the reasons why I don't get into something like a miniatures game because like one of my friends has just gotten super hardcore into the X-wing, X-wing. game X-wing is so much fun it is a fun game and I'm not I'm not I'm not dissing it at all because I actually really like playing it, but I'm never going to buy it one because it's a an expandable like collectible yeah, thing that's just going to be a money sink. Well, it's not collectible; it's a, um, a limited. I think it's it's an expandable game. Yeah. Is what the, they're still coming out with new minis, and yeah. you, the, you know, it's it's weird. Tangent off of a tangent, it's weird what people uh, think of when they hear certain terms like. I LCG. think of I think of X Wing as a collectible game because of the fact that there are different minis and they come out with new minis and you can go out and you can collect new minis. Just because they're not random doesn't mean it's not, not collectible, collectible. Yeah. right? Um, but uh, I've got a friend who's like hardcore into just two friends that are hardcore into that game and that's the game they play. Like you guys with War Machine, right? Like that's the game you play and. The only game that I've ever been that's ever ever been able to hold my interest for that long is poker. Like 
board games and stuff, I get bored with them if I play them too often. Car- collectible card games, I get bored with if I play too often. But poker is just like I can I can play I can sit down and play poker every single day for the rest of my life, and I will be totally happy. Yeah, it's like it's weird because um, not so much with Joel. I, I don't want to speak for him, but with me, basically, I'm normally playing two tabletop games at the same time it's war machine and something else and it's something else that always wrote it's like rotating it yeah. might be zombicide it might be blood bowl it might be warhammer fantasy battles and war machine is my serious like this is my strategic game yeah and then whatever else i'm playing is my this game is broken as fuck and it's not really <laughs> balanced but you get great stories out of it yeah uh, and so i play it for fun like i don't expect ever to win anything with blood bowl yeah. I, I want good stories out of it and it's an excuse to hang out with my friends you know, go drink a beer and roll some dice and see what kind of weird shit happens. I used to play Blood Bowl in high school. I, that's that's one of my favorite miniatures games. I love that game. It's stupid fun. It's stupid. But yeah, uh, all of my podcast listening is right now confined to podcasts that are no longer around. Yeah. Um, except with the exception of Comics Therapy and, and Comical Podcast, which are very irregular um, but they're both they're both very good. If if you're if people out there are looking for other comics podcasts, I would say those are the two that are probably the best right now. So yeah, there's there's some more pod, uh, podcasts that I don't listen to anymore because they, they just kind of fell out. But um, one one that kind of got me in the whole podcast was games for radio uh, games for Windows GFW. Um, um, yeah, GFW, which was that amazing. Was part of the Retronauts Network. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah, GFW, which was a great podcast, and then they kind of got separated to the Seven Wins once Games for Windows magazine went tits up. Yeah, um, which spawned uh, Geekbox Radio, which is um, a really good. I've listened gaming. to Geekbox. Yeah, yeah that's it's, a good a, one. it's really it's pretty much like all geek culture. They go over uh, Doctor Who was and Kat video Bailey games. On that one? No, no, she was she was on one uh, Active Tam- Time Babble. ATB, mm-hmm. ATB, yeah, which is which is good. Um, and then there's a, a one they spawned from it because they Geekbox records in a comic book store, okay. And so they the comic book store owner, uh, Comics and Conspiracy is is the podcast that they do, and that's some really good comics or really good <coughs> comic book talk because they talk about comic books. And then also he's in the comic book store. Did you actually just say that? It's really good comic book talk because they talk about comic books. <laughs> well, okay, I'm that, glad that like, I looked over at Luke that. and I was just like, did he not just really say that? that? I mean, yes. it's a Joelism, but... <laughs> but on top of that, they also talk about the the business side of it because yeah. he's a comic book store owner. Right. So he talks about like, okay, how many um, issues are selling for such and such week and, and the whole Marvel DC image breakdown of that is kind of why book sales. i would love to unfortunately i think he works every saturday but i would really love to get chris from uh from um comics dungeon on the show like he's very articulate he's very opinionated about the the industry and the comics that he reads and it, he why would be a see fun if we person. can go to his store and record we might be able to do that yeah I, I would have to talk to him uh but i i would i would love to have him on the show because he's like he and I get into like every time I go in the store, we just have like long discussions about it. he and I mm. last time I was in the store, he and I just uh, had an entire discussion where we were both going off about how much we dislike Howard Chaikin <sighs> and his art. So, <laughs> oh, you're both monsters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that's uh, there's some podcasts and I, I've already gone over like what we're doing on the next show and like gone over all the all the stuff. So I thought it was going to uh, be a quick answer. Thirty minutes later, we're like, "Yeah, we also listen to this podcast, this podcast, this podcast." So, so next time, can we make sure that either Eddie or Anne 
is here because you guys really focus on me for some reason. Maybe because I have to talk a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. We're forcing you to talk. So wait, you want other people to be on the show so that you don't have to draw. talk on the podcast where no, you want it? We're supposed so to you talk. guys don't single me out as draw much fire. as you did. I think it's the term he's looking for. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, this has been episode 71 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. Uh, send us emails and stuff so that we can talk to our fans. Uh, we will be doing Lazarus for the next episode. <laughs> and I will... <laughs> What? What are you laughing at me for? I said, <laughs> the look on your like. I wish I could have gotten a photo of you as you were straining to remember the name hey, of the book. My my brain is in hangover mode Dude, right there now. Was so trying to think in your forehead, yeah. and it was just bulging. Uh, we're out. Thank you.